Who's happy in here? That's what I thought. See, the title of my message is Happiness versus Joy. And if that don't make you happy, I don't know what will. I didn't want to preach over the top of that. What is happiness? Uh, the definition for happiness is favored by luck or, or uh, fortune. Uh, enjoying or characterized by a well-being or contentment. Expressing reflection or suggestion. You know, there's a lot of things that make us happy, but it doesn't last. Stand one more time with me and let's pray before we go, go on. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we can gather together. Lord, that we can be touched by your spirit, that we can worship you because it's all about you, Lord. We just pray that your anointing would rest upon each one here, Lord, in a mighty way, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive from you today. Lord, I pray that your anointing would flow one to another, dear God, that we would share your love one to another, dear God, that your anointing would just touch me, dear God, touch my words, Lord, that they would be an understanding and that you would speak through me, Lord God, for I am nothing without you, but through you I can do all things. And I thank you, dear God, because you are in control, and I give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you. Amen and amen. You know, I was, I was studying for, for this here. The Lord, I know I prayed, I said, Lord, what is it you want me to, to say, and what do you want me to do? And he, as I was praying, he'd give me an opening, and that was it. The, the kids come up, you know, and, and I thought, wow, that's awesome, Lord. Now what? <laughs> you know, you notice how quick that went. You know, we're all happy, and okay, I guess it's time to go. No, wait, he'd give me the ending. And I said, okay, Lord, that's awesome. So I've got an awesome closing from the Lord. And he said, the middle's on your, on your own. So... <laughs> I studied and I studied and I studied, but you know the thing is, is happiness, there's a lot of things that, hap that happiness can bring us, you know. I was thinking about different things that make us happy, you know, and uh, a raise at work. You get a raise at work, and boy, you're pretty happy, especially if it's a good raise, you know. Uh, I remember back when I was uh, started out in the corrections, you know, we started out, I started out at $10 an hour, well, after that first six months, I got a, my first raise, which was $2. That was a big raise, you know. Uh, and another one is uh, when you get married. Uh, I went yesterday to my oldest granddaughter got married. Hard to believe that I'm that old, isn't it? Okay, you're supposed to say yes at that point. Not, oh, wait a minute. Okay, anyway, uh, another one is getting a new car. You know, uh, when you get a brand new car, that makes you happy, right? You know, um, how quick can that happiness turn to sadness? Have you ever thought about that? How quick that happiness can leave you? You know, uh, all of a sudden you lose your job? That raise didn't do you a whole lot of good if you don't have the job, you know? Marriage ends in divorce. That happens all the time. And bad, it's not happy. You know, you get that new car, you pull out into the street, and somebody T-bones you. That's really hard on that happiness at that point. That new car just no longer is new. You know, uh, 
If you notice, happiness is based upon our emotions. You know, well, that means that emotions must be bad, right? Emotions bad? No. Jesus had emotion. How many times did you read in the Bible where he was moved with compassion? You know, he moved with compassion in everything that he did. You know, he spent time with the Lord. And uh, I've got to save that for the ending. Oh, wait, that is the ending. I told you, you give me the beginning and the ending, but you got to take and find out where, the, where my meat is. There it is. You know, uh, we think about all the different things that cause us happiness, you know, and, and, and joy. You know, but joy is, is uh, a thing that um, only comes from God. You know, uh, it's not, I got a definition for it here somewhere. But uh, joy is very glad feeling or happiness, a great pleasure or delight in anything causing such a feeling. You know, that's Webster's, you know, but uh, the Bible dictionary says that it's a joy is a delight of the mind arising from a consideration of presence or assured possession of a future God. Guess what? Our joy comes from Jesus. It doesn't come from anything else, but it comes from Jesus himself. You know, and if you think, wow, well, my joy is not all that great today. You know, uh, I, man, it just disappears sometimes. You ever, you ever feel like your joy just up and leaves? You know, uh, where's that, how's that happen? First of all, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But sometimes we have all these hindrances. Oh, I can't do this, you know. And I, and I was thinking about that as I was praying, you know. I said, Lord, you know, I can't be the only one that's had my joy tried to be zapped away from me. And, you know, and you, you get to feeling bad about yourself. And you think, man, is it worth it? Can I go on or whatever? But then I thought, man, look at some of these guys in the Bible. You know, I, I thought about King David, you know. The Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. You know, this is the same man that not only committed adultery, he committed murder, and then he lied about it, trying to take and cover it all up. But what was the key that kept his joy? Because if you notice, if you read through the Psalms, David talked about praise and rejoicing the Lord all the time. And it was his relationship. Sometimes we have to take and realize Satan's trying to rob our joy, but we can't, we don't have to let him. You know, we can go through these things. You know, think about Paul. Paul was a man that was so passionate when he was Saul to kill Christians, to destroy everything that God had. He worked hard at it. He was good at it. He would put Christians in prison. He would take and kill them, and he would orchestrate it. He watched it. Until one day he met the Lord on the road to Damascus. And then everything changed. Even his name, he became Paul. And God says, you know, I can use you. Even as bad as you was, I can use you. And so he wrote 13 out of the 27 books in the New Testament. Maybe 14 if you take part of Hebrews. Or, uh, no, not Hebrews, uh, Acts. But anyway, that's just a couple of people in the Bible that uh, there. But there was a whole lot more. Uh, you know, we had Peter, you know, 
Peter was with the Lord. You know, God called him out. He served with him for three years, right in his presence. As soon as things got tough, what did he do? I denied the Lord three times. But then he had a change of direction. He repented. Joy looks out, up, not inward. See, sometimes we look at ourselves and we say, whoa, I don't know where my joy went. But see, what we're really saying is, I don't make me very happy. But see, the joy is what it comes from the Lord. How do we take and keep that joy? Well, if I can get more, that'll make me happy and everything will be good, right? That's what the world thinks. If I can just get a little more. But the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So if we give out, we can receive more from the Lord. Joy is composed of our gratitude. You know, that if we're grateful for what God has done. I thought about this as I, was, as I was praying. I said, Lord, you know, how is it that we can take and, when our joy seems to be weak, how can we take and build up our joy tank? And he said, now I want you to do this. This is a little uh, exercise for you. Everybody close your eyes. Okay, everybody else close your eyes. Nobody looking around. I want you to picture in your mind three things that the Lord has blessed you in your life. You know, I was thinking about that. And as I began to think about it, I thought, wow, Lord. I remember back when I was, uh, we were sitting down. I had five little kids that we sat at the table and groceries was slimmed but to none. And I said, Lord, we sat there and we prayed. and We, we joined hands and we prayed, Lord. We need some groceries. Hardly got the words amen out of my mouth. And a car pulled in the driveway. And they knock on the door. And there's uh, some friends of ours. And I says, uh, yeah, what's happening? I need you to come out and help me. Help you? Yeah, come on out and help me. So I go out. They open the trunk. And we carried in seven bags of groceries. I thought, wow, Lord, you are awesome. Well, then I thought, well, that, that's one time. What's some other times that the Lord had blessed in my life? And I thought, you know, I've seen two people raised from the dead. Uh, one, we were sitting in church. A lady had a heart attack, fell out on the floor, turned blue. They called the paramedics and everything else. And we prayed for her. By the time the paramedics got up, she was sitting up praising the Lord. And uh, I thought, wow, God, you are so awesome. And another time, I worked for um, St. Vincent's Home for Children in Lansing, and I was a house parent. We're outside, the kids are playing, and I look around, and I hear one of the kids say, Hey, Bill! And I look up, and 35 feet up in the air, there's one kid's up in the top of the tree. And I started to say, Be careful and come down, as he come down. I never hit it, never touched a branch. He came all the way down, the full length, landed flat on his back. Well, by the time I got there, he was dark blue, wasn't breathing. I turned to the other uh, paramed or other uh, house parent. I said, "Go call 911." And the only thing I knew to do at the time was just pray. That was the first thing I did. I laid my hands on him. I began to pray, and all of a sudden he started breathing. His color came back, and he set up, and by then the paramedics got there, and they checked him out, and 
They wanted to take him in, and he's like, wait, it's time for us to play. I want to play, you know. And I thought, well, praise the Lord, you know, God is so awesome. And the things, if we were just taking time to think about what he's done for us, you know, when have that gratitude. Oh, God has done exceedingly and precious promises for our future. Second Peter 1 and 4. Gratitude produces joy. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19. And our gratitude should be other people's blessings as well as our own. Romans 12, 15. Wow. We can get great joy just in blessing someone else. I don't know about you, but uh, I enjoy blessing other people. I enjoy doing something for them, you know. Uh, I've done, a, you know, uh, a lot of things. I, if you can ask my wife, I do not send flowers for special occasions. It doesn't happen because why? It's Mother's Day. It's Valentine's Day. Well, you expect it. Guess what? I'll do it because it's Tuesday. You know, it's the third Wednesday of the month. Oh, wait, I was just thinking about you, and I just wanted to tell you how much I love you. You know, that's all it is right there. We need to realize that our joy is supernatural. It comes from God. You know how awesome God is? That his joy is, is, it just swells up within us, you know? And I thought to myself, wow, how awesome is God? And I was just going to tell you just a few things of how awesome God is. God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He's Jehovah, Jehovah Roha, our good shepherd. He's Jehovah Elohim, the Lord Most High. He's Jehovah Makishdenu, the Lord our sanctifier. He's El Shaddai, Almighty God. He's Jehovah Nisi, our Lord, our banner. He's just Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Do you realize that when you begin to take and just call out and, and, and just worship the Lord and just realize who he is, you know, he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the bright and morning star. He's the Lord of all. You know, when we begin to teach, praise him and exalt him and lift him up, he comes down in such a way that it's just, your joy has to bubble up. And if it don't, maybe you need to examine where your eyes are really at. You know, sometimes we need to examine where our eyes are because you just never know how God wants to bless you or how he wants to use you to bless someone else. That's the key right there is you want joy, bless somebody. You want joy? Bless somebody. Wow, I heard one amen. That took a whole five minutes off my message. I only going to got three more hours and we will be done. I still have 15 pages of notes. So, by the way, if you say amen, that's like saying sick him to a dog. Just thought I'd share that with you in case you was wondering. Oh, now we're getting it. Oh. Is it wrong to have sorrow? What about sorrow and joy? They don't seem like they go together, does it? You know? Uh, I wanted to take and share a scripture in Hebrews. I think I got it right there marked. 
Hebrews chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, says, Wherefore, we seeing that we are encompassed with such a great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily doth beset us. Let us run with patience the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, and he saw joy in that. Whoa. He was beaten beyond recognition. Even his own mother didn't recognize him. He was, had a, he was mocked. He was, the people that praised him a week earlier shouted, crucify him. But he said the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The joy. What was that joy that Jesus had that was so awesome? Let me help you. It was each one of you. It was me. That joy for souls to be saved and joined back to God. Oh, how awesome is that? He cared so much for us that he died on the cross for us that we may take and have the joy that's unspeakable, full of glory, that we can rejoice in him. <laughs> Philippians 4 and 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now in BTI, we talked about that uh, anytime that you see the same thing twice, that it was a special emphasis Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. What does that tell us? It's no longer a suggestion. It's a command from God to rejoice. Just like the command of the Great Commission that says, go into all the world and to make disciples and to take and teach them everything that God wants us to do. We need to take and realize how important it is that we have a hunger for the lost. Because that's what Jesus had. That's where his joy came from. When we have that hunger, that desire, just to take and see someone saved. You know, that's... Whew, man, I've been, I, you know, there's one thing. You sit back there, and after worship, you know, you're so dry, and you see the pastor's thing up here, and, and he takes a drink in front of you. And I always think, man, I should like a drink. <laughs> Boy, that's a good thing right there. But 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world pr produces death. Wow. Godly sorrow produces repentance. So therefore, it's okay to have sorrow. You know, we can take and realize that in our sorrow, man, have you ever had sorrow? I don't know. I'm probably the only one that's ever messed up <laughs> several times this week. No, actually, this week has been good because I don't know about you, but uh, I was spent the whole week all but Friday night at camp meeting every night, and you guys missed it. Whew. It was awesome. The Lord just was just there every time. So uh, anyway, in my life, I have messed up several times. 
Uh, I've been hurt. I don't know, maybe you've never been hurt. But, you know, the funny thing is, is only ones that's ever been able to hurt me <laughs> were pastors. Isn't that amazing? You know, that it's God's people. You know, I always heard a thing a long time ago that said uh, that Christians, we're the ones that shoot our wounded. Why is that? Why is that? When Jesus gave us two commandments, that's all they said. Two things. That's all we have to worry about. Love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love our neighbor as ourself. Why don't we do that? Sometimes we just don't love ourselves. We beat ourselves up because we're going through this or we did that. We slipped up. Wait a minute. We just talked about David. We talked about, you know, uh, Abraham is another one, you know. He just took and said, she's not my wife. She's my sister. You know, go ahead, King. You can have your, have your way. Wait a minute. Is that right? No. My wife would take and smack me. She would probably do it right now if she could reach me. But anyway, you know, it's just one of those things. We just take and mess up, you know. Uh, yeah, I got an attitude. I backslid. I took and said, you know, you want me to take and step down from my ministries? Not a problem. I'll step down. I got that self-flesh attitude in there. And, you know, it was like, not a problem. I'll walk away right on out into the world. And ain't nothing I'm proud of. But I didn't leave very many of the commandments out. Uh, I, uh, I played hard. And in the process of that, God says, you know what? I still love you. He said, that calling that's on your life, it's without repentance. When you were 15 years old and I called you and you preached your first method, message in a Methodist church and they Ask you never to do it again because you was too radical. I had to find a Pentecostal church, obviously. <laughs> uh, I didn't get an amen out of that. Oh, man. Okay, well, I'll get fired up in a minute here once I get through the introduction. Uh, anyway, I got so many things behind my ear, and it's like this. Uh, hearing aid, sorry. Um, but I got that attitude, you know, Lord, you know, these people are all hypocrites. I grew up in a, in a little small town, and, okay, you don't realize how small, 868 people, and that was in a mile square. <laughs> that was the town I grew up in. When I met my wife, I was living downstate in Detroit area, and they had apartment buildings bigger than the town I grew up in. Uh, but anyway, I knew every single person in that town. I was the paper boy, you know, when I was younger. And uh, the town is actually made up of three families. The, the Guilfords, the Spitzleys, and the McDaniels. Oh, by the way, I was one of those families. You know, uh, 
my, my dad and mom lived there, my grandpa lived there, my great-grandpa lived there, my uncles, I had three uncles that lived there. You know, it was, it was kind, of, kind of a big thing, you know. Uh, but I thought, you know, I can do this on my own. You know, I'm 15, 16 years old. I can do this on my own. I, I, don't, I, I don't need to go to church. Boy, that was the biggest lie I ever had. You know, I thought, well, you know how long that lasted? About six months. Pretty soon, buddies wanted to go out partying and go do this and go do that. And I forgot to read the Bible, stop praying and everything. So then in my life, I take in uh, Guan. Finally, uh, I lost my second daughter at birth and at that point in time, God says, you ready yet? I said, okay. And uh, I give my life back to the Lord. Well, after, after, after you know, serving the Lord for, for a while, you know, God begins to deal with you. You know, those gifts and callings are without repentance. You know, every one of us has gifts and callings in our lives. God doesn't change his mind. I hate to break the news to you, but God does not change his mind. He has a work for every one of us, whether it be to talk to our neighbor or whatever. So I went to my pastor after about six months, and I said, you know, pastor, I says, I think God's calling me back into the ministry. He looks at me just as nice as can be, and he says, no, he's not. What? So six months go by. I go back, I says, you know, pastor, I says, I really think God is calling me into the ministry. No, he's not. So I, I pray about it, and I kind of let it go, and pretty soon it's just burning in me. And finally I go to the pastor, I says, pastor, I know that God has called me into the ministry. What do I do? He says, well, I knew that right the first time you came. He says, but you had to know it, not just think it. Sometimes we need to seek God so much that we know what the calling is, instead of just thinking it. You know, we need to take and realize, that I, I, by the way, I am not on my notes. That's all free. <laughs> but we need to realize how awesome God is. Because see, if, if, you, if you haven't caught anything from this message so far, it ain't about anything except Him. If you want joy, unspeakable and full of glory, You've got to put your eyes on him. You've got to do what he's actually told us to do. And that's walk in obedience. Oh, how about trials? Anybody ever have any trials? Three people had trials. Oh, wait, five people. Oh, wait, that's it? We got a trial over there and a trial in the back. You know, I love what James says in James chapter 1, verse 2. He says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or triers or different trials in one translation. For Pastor Thorne out of the New Living Translation, if you're watching, it's various trials, not diverse temptations. But anyway, because he said that I was King James, I was old school. If you notice, I don't have any notes or anything. Uh, I'm sorry, I haven't figured out how to do PowerPoints yet. <laughs> well, if I get more opportunities, I, I may work on that. Count it all joy 
when we fall into different trials and temptations. Wow, how do you do that? Man, that seems really, really difficult. But then if you read on in that, in that verse, it says that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And patience, when it is complete, makes you perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Whoa, wait a minute. You mean if I go through trials and I go through temptations, it helps my faith and my faith helps me to become perfect and entire, lacking nothing? That means that all my needs are supplied according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, that I can do all things through him who strengthens me, that I can take and walk in the power and the anointing of the Lord? Whoa. How many wants to bring on the trials now? I didn't get one hand raised. <laughs> Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world, he said. Guess what? It's all about Jesus. When we go through the trials, if we put our eyes on him, then he can touch us. He can bless us. That joy can bubble up. Guess what? When we lose a loved one, it seems like our joy is gone. Right up until the point in time when we realize they're not in our past. They're in our future. If they're in heaven, guess what? I can praise the Lord because those that have gone before me I get to see him again. I get to rejoice with him. Not only that, but I'll be slim and trim then. <laughs> I don't know if I want my hair to take and go back blonde, but I kind of like white. I, I, you know, but that's up to the Lord. We'll let him do that. The number one joy is God's spirit. You know? If we allow the Spirit of the Lord to take and touch us and to guide us and to direct us, man, I got a lot of time. I, got, I could go through another page or two of notes. Either that or I can let you out early, one or the other. Wow, Moses was another one that had trials, you know? I wonder where that page went. Moses was saved by the Lord in Pharaoh's daughter in the process of growing up at 40 years old he saw the taskmaster beating a Hebrew so he killed him and then he buried him in the sand anybody done that before don't raise your hand <laughs> so what did he do he turned to the Lord and praised him right no, he turned and ran to the wilderness. You know, I've done that myself. I run. You know, I got hurt. I ran. I served uh, in the Lord. I was there for a long time. seemed like forever. I thank the Lord, you know, because I thought, you know, God, you've just had your hand upon my life so many times, you know, talking about looking back and thinking about it. You know, I thought... Wow, if it wasn't for you, Lord, I'd have been dead a long time ago. I thought of all the different times that Satan's tried to kill me. 
I got my driver's license when I was 16, had a car before that. I got it when I was 15. The first two years of driving, I was involved in eight car wrecks. Seven of them I was driving. Three of those cars was completely totaled, and I never had a scratch, never had a bruise. I thought, wow, that's awesome, Lord. Then I thought to myself, well, what are some other times you saved me, Lord? And then I thought, you know those times when you walked away and you was going crazy in the world? Those times that you drove home like this because you couldn't see? When you had both eyes open, you saw a double because you were so drunk that you didn't know what was going on and you still drove? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, guess what? If you thought I was perfect, you, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. And I thought, wow. Man, you saved me again. Three, week, three, three weeks. Three years ago. So three years, three and a half years ago. Three and a half years ago. I had a stroke. I was in intensive care for a week. I couldn't remember, I couldn't even remember who my wife was. She didn't like that, but I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Just bits and parts, you know, throughout that whole week. The second week I was in rehab. And the third week, ask Steve, I played golf. God is awesome. Wait a minute. I said, God is awesome. That's the time to praise him. You know, we just have to realize how awesome God really is. So what are some things that can kind of distract us? Have you ever thought about that? What distracts you that your joy may take and seem to be slipping away? I got ten things that uh, seem to be distractions that keep us from God, that keep our eyes because Satan, if he can take and keep you looking at yourself, at the world, at others, instead of him, he's happy. Because guess what? When we got our eyes everywhere except on Jesus, we stop praying as often. We don't fellowship with the Lord. We take and get mean. Or wait, maybe that's just me. Okay, you guys don't. But we, we take and say stuff that we shouldn't say. We do all of these things, you know. What's that first thing? Money. Money can be a distraction because the Bible says that money is the root of all evil, right? Wait, it's the love of money. So therefore, if I'm so caught up in how much money I've got and I'm so busy working and taking and doing all these things, trying to get all I can get, I'm getting, getting, getting. My eyes ain't on the Lord. But if I'm taking and getting to give, and I'm giving out, and I'm giving unto the Lord, and I'm blessing his people, and I'm blessing those around me, that's okay. Money's not that bad. It's just how we take and perceive it, how we use it, you know? We need to realize that those things are important. Another one, and this is a big one here, and this encompasses a whole lot of things, but it's called the media. So all of you that are 
texting on your phone right now, put it down. Oh, wait a minute. You're talking about, you notice that the young people walk like this all the time now? I read or I heard in China, they put a lane just for people texting so that they don't get run over. Wow. Well, what's some other things? So, you know, you got your internet. You know, uh, you spend 400 hours a week on the internet and five minutes in the morning doing your devotion and wonder why where joy is kind of down low. What about television? You know, we can get caught up watching TV way too much. You know, uh, there's a whole lot of things. You know, newspapers, magazines, anything that we allow to take and come into, come into that. Here's one that's going to blow you away. Church can become a distraction. Hmm, what? Church? Well, you know, the thing is, is when we get all caught up in all our routine and our church and we got to, you know, we got, I went to church today, so I'm good to go for the week, right? We're all prayed up now. We're good to go. We don't have to take and talk to the Lord until next Sunday, right? If you do, you probably by, what is it? Seven days without the Lord makes one week. Uh, we need to take and realize that uh, we need to pursue God and not pursue church. You know, relationships is another thing that distract us. Well, wait a minute, I thought relationships was good. We're supposed to take and love one another. We're supposed to do all that. Yes, but when we get so caught up in our family, our spouse, our boyfriend or girlfriend, that they're more important than God, we've got our eyes in the wrong spot. Sometimes we need to realize that it's important to take and have our relationships the right way. You notice that everything that's a distraction is also can be good. You know, uh, I thank the Lord for the internet just in putting together a message. You know, I've got, I've got bookshelves. I've got books that I can't even fit on my shelves of commentaries and, and Bible dictionaries. And, and now I can go on the internet. I have the exact same books, the same thing at a click of a button. I can pull up four or five different things and I can go back and forth instead of flipping through the pages. You know, I'm still old school. You know, notice I haven't got no PowerPoint, so I apologize for that. I'll try to do better next time. You know, our routines. You know, we get in a, in a, a routine or a rut that we do the same thing the same way. Oh, wait, I got up in the morning, I prayed for five minutes, and now I'm off to work, and I got this to do and that to do. And I, and, you know, but you know what a rut is? It's a, gra it's a grave with both ends knocked out. When we get in that rut of the same thing over and over, sometimes we need to take it. I like how Paul told Timothy, he says, we need to stir up those gifts within us. Sometimes we need to just take, and take five minutes out and encourage ourselves in the Lord. You know, take and get excited about what God's doing in our life. And if he isn't doing anything, why? Maybe we need to examine ourselves. We need to look in the mirror and say, what is it I'm doing or not doing? It's causing my joy to disappear. 
You know, um, work can take and be a major distraction. You know, uh, sometimes uh, some people, I've never been one, but uh, some people are workaholics. I was just, I'm just the opposite. I just do not work. I love being retired. I don't know about anybody else. I've got the perfect job now. I'm a school bus driver. I can do two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, Monday through Friday, weekends off, holidays off, the summer off. By the way, I'm off the summer, uh, and I love it. It is awesome. If I'd have known that, I'd have done it to start with, except I'd have starved to death, right? But sometimes, you know, uh, my wife has to struggle with that because she can be a workaholic without even trying. Uh, matter of fact, we've been on vacation and almost had a fight over, you don't need to call work. They'll get by without you. You know, the thing is, is if you leave tomorrow, they're just going to replace you with somebody else. Guess what? If we leave tomorrow, you're going to be replaced at work. You know? So it doesn't really matter. Sometimes our hobbies, we can get so caught up in our hobbies, the things that we enjoy doing that God has blessed us to do, you know, hunting and fishing and... Pastor, enjoy your fishing trip. Uh, but as, as, as we realize that sometimes we got to say, wait a minute, am I doing my hobby in the place of the Lord or am I doing my hobby for the Lord? You know, if we're doing it as unto the Lord, as well as anything, you know, here's one here too to touch me a little bit. Desiring blessings from God more than God himself. Did you hear that? Seeking God for the blessings. What can he do for me? He said he'd supply my needs. He would take in... I can walk in health, I can walk in prosperity, and all of these things, and I'm seeking the gift instead of the giver. You know, we need to seek Him. We need to take and realize that it's all about a relationship. It's not about religion. Religion will take you down the wrong path. It's all about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I got this one here just because I thought Pastor Norman would like it, but our pastor sometimes can be a distraction. Think about that. How is the pastor a distraction? Aren't he supposed to be the shepherd leading us and guiding us? But see, he becomes that distraction when we run to him for every little thing. We can't pray ourselves. We can't seek the Lord ourselves. We need the pastor. Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, do this. Pastor, I need this. Pastor, and pretty soon, where's our eyes? Our eyes are on the pastor. I hate to break the news to you, but the pastor will fail you if you let him. May not be intentional. May not even realize that he did it. But he'll let you down. He's human. He's the same as you are. He's saved by grace, same as we are. Guess what? I'll let you down probably more than once. And the last one, the number 10, is ourselves. We get in our own way. Well, we become self-centered and whatever, you know? 
I'm going to start to wrap things up here. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> wow, that's the first amen I've got the whole day. Wait. I didn't say, you know, I, I was thinking back uh, when I, when I was, uh, first time I was in the uh, studying for the ministry and everything, and uh, uh, I was in the Church of God at the time, and pastor says, you know, in conclusion, and he did that three or four different times, uh, because all that means is I'm getting somewhere toward the end, but I ain't sure where I'm going yet. So I'm just kind of trusting the Lord right now. If the worship team would come back, and if our prayer warriors could come up and stand up in the front here, uh, there might be somebody here that doesn't know the Lord. If you stand with me, and that'll help me close a little quicker. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, is there someone here that says, wait a minute, I want to know this Jesus that I can have that joy that's unspeakable, full of glory. You know, if you lift your hand, that I can pray for you. There's someone here that doesn't know Jesus. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would just have its way. Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear God, because I know in whom I believe, dear God. I know that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Almighty God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and end, the bright and morning star. Lord, I pray that you touch hearts and lives right now and that you stir hearts, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that your spirit would just flow one to another, dear God. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that you touch them right now in a special way, dear God, that your spirit would flow one to another, dear God. If, is there anyone here that doesn't know the Lord that would like to meet him today? Raise your hand. I'd like to pray with you. Wow, everybody's serving. So is there, maybe there's someone here that doesn't have the joy of the Lord like they think they ought to have. Or like, they, like the Bible says that the joy of our Lord is our strength. Maybe if you make your way up here, these can pray for you, and we can pray for you, that God's joy would just swell up within you as they begin to play.